Lifelong Wrestling Podcast. With the Enforcer. I believe they're called Enforcers, Gordon. I sell women's shoes. And the Stallion. Stallion, baby! I am not what you would call a handsome man. I'll kick you in the nuts and you'll smile at me and like it. All night. Oh, All Night Long Wrestling Podcast is back with yet another edition. He is the host, he is the stallion, I'm the comedic relief, I'm the enforcer, and we are back after a very, very long weekend of professional wrestling. Everywhere you turn, um, there was wrestling last weekend, so between... Royal Rumble, NXT, um, the Ring of Honor, Road to uh, G1 shows. It was uh, – oh, are you okay, buddy? No. No, what, what's going on? What, what's got you uh, What's got your panties in a bunch? Wow, that's uh, – no, I'm even worse. That, that's <laughs> not uh, – no, I mean, I'm not – I haven't really been okay since, like, 2002. So um, it's not really anything specific to today. It's just an in-general type of – uh, situation. I wish we could uh, bring the listeners into what happened pre-show today when I uh, unfortunately had a legit shoot spit take at one of the things you said. We are a kid-friendly show now, at least, so I can't relive that. But oh man, what what a moment it was, Joe! It was a moment. It was uh, it was something. I feel like if I'm you trying want to, to do in- well. Here we go. Here's yeah, a segue. If you want to do what we were talking about in the pre-show, here's what you could do. You can go over to your internet's machine. You can go to bluechew.com. You could use the promo code WPP, which stands for the Wrestling Perspective Podcast, our good friends. And you could get the, you, you spend five uh, shillings, and that's going to get you your free order of Blue Chew sent to your house. All you got to do is pay the shipping and handling. $5, your first order, Blue Chew, on us, on these guys. Because we really want you to have a uh, Great American Bash at your house, if you know what I mean. We don't want that uh, flag flying at a half-mast, if you know what I'm saying. That's why you've got to get your first order, Blue Chew, on us, promo code WPP. Uh, and while you're over there, why don't you go to Twitter and your Facebook and your Instagram at All Night Long WP is where you can find us. And you can find our good friends at the Wrestling Perspective Podcast on said places as well. And especially on YouTube, Joe, because we are about seven subscribers away from the big 100. That's actually, I was reading the other day, uh, we're only about four to five subscribers away from the Young Bucks uh, being the elite. Um, yeah. the, they have 95 subscribers. Is that what you're telling me? 99. Yeah. Yeah. I saw it the other day. I thought it was pretty cool. We're, we're pretty close to them. Oh, well, that's good. I feel a lot better about my place in life right now that we're only five subscribers on YouTube away from being the elite. So, well, it's- if you want to be elite, no, I'm just kidding. I already did the Bluetooth read. So here's what is going on this week in the world of professional wrestling. You had your, um, yeah, we had NXT. We're not going to go in depth into the shows. You know, by now what happened. You had NXT uh, take over. You had the Royal Rumble. And, uh, well, 
I guess intergender wrestling is back because the WWE is trying to pile ratings on. And uh, one of the things surrounding that was Monday night when Dean Ambrose got punked face-to-face by Nia Jax. Um, Shortly afterwards, it came out that Dean Ambrose is indeed leaving the WWE. Right off the top, I'm going to ask you, Joe, is that a work leaving the WWE or is that a shoot leaving the WWE? Um, I don't know. That's that's a good question. I think um, we'll find out in a week's or two's time. Um, if he's going to be leaving the company, then it, 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 it depends on if they do a storyline with it on television, like they did with CM Punk, and then he ended up staying, or if they're just going to, you know, if he's if he's leaving and like this is it, you know, is he going to not be on television anymore? Is he not going to work house shows between now and April, or is he going to fulfill his contracted dates and then leave? So I guess we'll find out for sure. I mean, it certainly felt real uh, when the news came out, but the fact that WWE put out a press release on it is kind of a new thing for them. So I think that maybe is what's throwing people off a little bit as far as whether it's a it's a work or or not, but. It doesn't really seem like I feel like it's it's real because I don't I don't it doesn't really seem like something that they're intelligent enough to come up with and actually play out in terms of a storyline. Um, you know the CM Punk thing I think he he pretty much gave them that idea uh, because he had done it before in Ring of Honor and it he worked played it out. very well then. Yeah. It worked very well up until he was gone for like two weeks and then he came back. So it just you know I think that I don't think they'll be able to execute anything good off of it. So my sense is that he's probably Ambrose is probably legit frustrated and burnt out and his contract is up and he's not going to stay. And that's his choice. And, you know, good for him if that's what he wants to do. And hopefully he finds success elsewhere, whether that's in another company or, you know, in a different line of work, depending on what his goals are. I saw, I mean, plenty of people have been tweeting out in support of Dean Ambrose. One of the, uh, I think the most interesting tweet I saw regarding Dean Ambrose was from uh, Sammy Callahan. And he tweeted Ambrose and he's like, hey, aren't you from Ohio? Which, you know, Ohio, Ohio uh, oh, it's Ohio's for killers? OVE, that, that's the gimmick, right? So I, I think uh, that would be a pretty interesting uh, combination, a, a Dean Ambrose, Sammy Callahan. Because, I mean, for people who don't know, Dean Ambrose, before he came to WWE, Johnny Moxley, he was uh, Johnny Deathmatch. I mean, he was... Barbed wire, glass, uh, uh, weed whackers, you know, screwdrivers, all that kinds of crazy stuff. And if, to see him go from that to, you know, he pretty much has the Mick Foley treatment, right? He was crazy deathmatch guy, comes to WWE, and then he's kind of, uh, I don't want to say a joke, but he's dressed in a Bane mask. Like, and I think, to be honest, when he came back from his injury, because he was gone, what, 14 months, almost a year? He was gone a while. I think he was gone longer than anticipated. I'm not sure if he had some complications with uh, things that he was, the injuries he was dealing with at that time, but he, he was gone for almost a year. I think he left right around November or December of last year. Um, Cause they had to change. No, he was still at TLC, I think. So anyway, I think it was like a little less than a year. He came back just before SummerSlam. Uh, he accompanied Seth Rollins, I believe at SummerSlam. He was in his corner. So he was gone for maybe like, nine or 10 months, I would say, uh, from, from television. Yeah. And where the hell was I going with that train of thought show? Oh, so when he came back, he came back in probably better shape than he's ever been in. And I think the couple of matches he had on raw were some phenomenal matches. I mean, it, it was some of his best pure wrestling work. So I feel like Dean, I'm, I'm not speaking for Dean Ambrose. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like he probably believes right now he's in the prime of his career. 
in the best shape, best shape he's ever been in, and he should be used in better spots than to put over uh, Nia Jax, Joe. I, I, and I, I, it's hard to disagree with him. Yeah, I, I don't know when he, you know, assuming this is all uh, reality, I don't know when he decided, when he told them that he would be leaving. Uh, certainly, I would say it was before the Rumble because his showing in the Rumble was kind of lame. You know, he wasn't, you know, in the final four guys. He had only really done, you know, he, he didn't last a whole, a very long time. And they took the IC title off him a lot sooner than I thought they would uh, and put it on to Bobby Lashley. So I thought that his the Bobby idea, Lashley, wait, Bobby Lashley, the guy that got eliminated in the Rumble in like 14 seconds. Yeah, that, that one. That, okay. that one. Um, yeah, so I think that it must have been somewhere around that time because it seemed a little strange. They took the title off of him. He didn't do much in the Rumble. You know, he, he uh, lost to Rollins clean on Raw. That kind of gave it away. And then, yeah, I mean, I had Jax like forearmed him in the back or whatever when he was going to cut a promo saying who knows what. So my guess is that sometime in the last couple of weeks, it was known that he was going to leave and they put it out there and, and that's that. So, I, you know, did they, did they screw up stuff with him a lot? Yeah, I think so. I mean, he was, when he was in the shield, when they first came together on television, I, I looked at him as the leader. I think that's where they were positioning him. You know, he was the guy that had the U S title and Rollins and Reigns had the tag titles. So he was positioned as the leader. And then that changed kind of as time went on to like Reigns being the guy that they wanted to make big coming out of it and Rollins as well. And uh, Ambrose kind of turned into a comedy guy after they broke up. Um, although he did become the WWE champion for a little while, but even since he came back with the heel run, it should have been like a huge program with Rollins and it kind of just um, eventually fell flat and turned into him wearing the Bane mask and getting vaccines on television and things like that. In so. a hospital room. That was uh, the worst gimmick hospital I've ever seen. I'd rather have watched RoboCop. Uh, but the thing is, I mean, when you're looking at the product right now, and if if everything you read on the internet is true, because you know we know it is, uh, Dean Ambrose is not the only person that has asked for his release in uh, recent weeks. I mean, the Revival were the first that I heard. Um, Mike and Maria Kanellis were then next. Uh, Dean Ambrose, of course. And now Hideo Itami seems to be completely gone for the company. And I'm going to quote um, Dave Meltzer right here. Um, Dave Meltzer speculated on today's edition of the Wrestling Observer that Hideo Itami was most likely granted his release because he signed a legal document saying he wouldn't go to AEW or any other American wrestling company and exclusively work in Japan. So to me, I mean, I don't want to say the WWE doesn't have to be worried. They're worth a bajillion dollars. They're not worried. But as far as the talent goes, I... It's. I feel like you know, if people do want to leave, it's going to be the um, the Neville treatment all over again. They're just going to ice him out for the rest of their contract until people forget about him, and then a year is going to go by. Yeah, I think that's 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 probably what they'll do. You know, I remember reading things. You know, when the news came out about the revival and if they had asked for their release potentially, and, and all those things that had happened, and you know, shortly after that, I was reading news articles online about well, all these wrestlers that are looking to get their release from WWE or people that are not happy are going to get uh, these renewed pushes, you know, whether it was him or um, Andrade. And I forget there's somebody else, I guess that, that asked for their release. And it's like, Oh, these people are going to get renewed pushes and, th- and that hasn't happened. So I don't see that, you know, that really being the case that these guys want out. Like you said, they'll probably just, you know, keep doing what they're doing, make them even look more foolish. And then they'll, uh, they'll let them go. But when your point about them not worrying about AEW, I mean, I, 
that's I completely agree with all that. I mean, of course, WWE is worth millions and billions of dollars, and they have all this programming and TV rights and all that type of stuff. But why is it that you think they do things such as I read over the weekend on Sunday they had there was somebody in like the hard camera view wearing an AEW T-shirt and they made him remove his shirt. Like why? Yeah, there's actually think- a video of that too. It's not that wasn't just you know that that was a shoot removal. You know, yeah. it was real. So why do they think? Why do you think they do things like that? Like, what is the reason behind? Are they so petty that they don't even want like that T-shirt to be on their television that you can't you can't wear it? Like, what? Why would they do something like that? Yes, that's the answer. Uh, I want you to realize Vince McMahon defeated God by counting out. That mm-hmm. that that says everything you need to know about Vince McMahon, and through everything you hear about Vince McMahon, he's a ruthless businessman, and he got where he is because of that. I mean, that being said, what's the reason he helped ECW and he? Is you know not allowing shirts on TV of AEW? I I don't know. I don't know if that's Vince's call as much as a Triple H's call. I don't know if Vince knows what the hell AEW is. Um, I think Vince is very enveloped. No, that's not the word. Uh, engulfed. Sorry, in the XFL chicanery going on right now. And um, but to see him on TV, like it just doesn't seem like he he's oh, he, he's invested in wrestling anymore um why the aew thing because i i think they're trying to quell any sort of momentum they have however you're not going to stop it and the reason why aew is going to become as popular as it will be or it is as popular it's talked about now is because of the wwe it's because the wwe's product has not uh, matured into a product for professional wrestling fans. It's still a wildly successful business. Don't get me wrong, but the wrestling product has left um, pure wrestling fans wanting more, and that's why other companies are beginning to prosper. And um, I, I, I truly think, based on everything you've heard about Vince, all the podcasts of people that, like the, the Pritchard podcast and everything he says, and um, Conrad asked him a great question a couple weeks ago. On the podcast, it was, you know, you hear people ask Vince for their releases. Um, some people get their outright release. Some people Vince denies. Some people wait him out. And he asked, um, he asked Bruce Pritchard, why? And he goes, depends how Vince is feeling that day. Like that's, that says all you need to know about the guy. There's no guidelines or, you know, it's, he, he does what he wants and he control. I think he, he believes he is God. And I feel like he can, he can, kind of pull the strings and everything. And if he wants, he doesn't want your t-shirt on TV, your t-shirt's not going to be on TV. But I wonder also if, if it almost does the opposite of what he, what they're looking to do, right? Like, okay. If somebody was on television in the crowd wearing an AEW shirt. So I might, as I already know what AEW is, maybe somebody, maybe he's concerned about people who don't know what AEW is or, or something like that. So if I see it on TV, I'm like, oh, all right, whatever. Like, I probably wouldn't even notice it, to be honest. But even if I did, like, I would have really no reaction to it for me. But the story comes out, right? And, and the video is is published, you know, whatever, social media and things like that. I feel like it almost creates more of a buzz behind AEW to be like, oh, you know, not just some guy wore a shirt. Okay. But now it's like, well, WWE doesn't want 
anybody to see that shirt on television. They don't want to see any AEW signs or paraphernalia. And then I feel like that almost draws more attention to the, you know, I don't want to say competition, but like, you know, the other companies and makes them look, it makes WWE look worse. Like I'd almost, I feel like that would turn people off to them and have people like, Oh, wow, they don't want this on TV. Maybe we sh- I should check this out. You know, maybe I should find out what's going on with this as opposed to just letting it go. Uh, best example, Tony Schiavone giving away Mick Foley winning the world title, thinking that's going to turn people off. What did it do? It made people turn in, you know? And I, I agree exactly with what you're saying. That just makes people, you know, boy, it's like growing up as a kid. You're told not to do something. You're going to try to do it twice, you know? And I think Vince is that that's the point he's at. And I, I think, um, I think they're trying to curry favor with these wrestling fans with all these other shows, the NXT, excuse me, the NXT UK. Um, but I, there's too much intrigue right now into the uh, all elite wrestling. And I think they don't know how to handle it because frankly, they don't even know what they're up against. They don't know if they're up against a, a company that does weekend shows and online pay-per-views. It has a streaming service. It has spot shows. It has a major network deal. They have no idea. So probably they're, they're, they're not worried, but they, they're they not sure if it's about to be another Monday Night War or if they're just going to go up against a very strong independent company with all these all these buffoons on the internet that it's like, oh, they're just an independent company. For, look up what independent company means. They're backed by the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's not independently owned. It's owned by a bajillionaire. God, internet fans are the worst, bro. Anyway, um, so I think there's a lot of intrigue around it because nobody knows. So... But again, like, it, did this happen? I, you, you're, you have a better memory than me, and you're better looking. When Impact first started, or TNA, did they kind of pull the same thing back then? Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if it was right away. Um, TNA started their pay-per-views, I think, the weekly pay-per-view model in 2002. Um, I don't remember if WWE was really like so anti-TNA then, but I think when it got maybe a couple years in, I remember like around the time of like maybe Oh five or so when guys like styles and Daniels and Joe were kind of putting on those really good matches and creating a little bit more of a buzz with TNA that I do remember things at that point where they were kind of like not wanting people to chant TNA and stuff like that at their shows. So maybe for a little while it got, got to be that way and they didn't really want to acknowledge TNA and they really hadn't acknowledged TNA up until the last maybe like year or two at most. The um, Kurt Angle thing is the first I remember. Yeah, the Kurt Angle thing. And uh, now like if, if you My watch Edge and Christian show, they they have it on there and huh. now Jarrett's there and stuff like that. So I think that that's how it is. But I guess I just, I also now, you know, maybe they're all, maybe some of the guys in the office are just, you know, if they're getting word that there are wrestlers on their roster that are asking for their release and there's been, you know, a, a handful of them now and maybe potentially more that are growing. I mean, there were some rumors about Ziggler maybe not coming back, but then he showed up in the Rumble and who knows what's what his deal is. And obviously Jericho, who was a guy that was there for a long time and was kind of coming. I sent you earlier, um, Alexander Wolf and Killian Dane, Sanity. Yeah. I don't remember if Killian Dane posted uh, earlier, I guess it was yesterday, two days ago, he put hashtag where is sanity. And then Alexander Wolf quoted him and he tweeted sick of this. So, and you know, people are going to write it off and be like, Oh, to me, that's, that's just the guy pissed off about his spot. You know, that that's a guy that the, the fans are behind sanity. You have 
of so many hours of TV every single week. You have Shane McMahon as your champion. You're you're it's you have just asinine segments with R Truth and Rusev and Nakamura, and you have no godly idea what you're doing from show to show. You have all these women compete in really good tag matches on Raw to qualify for the Elimination Chamber. And the next night on SmackDown, you have Sony Deville and Mandy Rose saying, we're in the Elimination Chamber. Dude, you have 400 bookers, and nobody's on the same page. It is insulting to one's intelligence to watch Raw and SmackDown week after week. Yeah, I think that's that's a big thing, too, is the you know, the week to week continuity, if you will, of some of the storylines or all of the storylines, whatever ones that they are. And as much as I feel like sometimes, you know, like Bully Ray can be a, a little bit abrasive with some of the things that he says or some of the reputation that he has, but when you, and then the whole storyline he had with Flip Gordon in Ring of Honor, which some people may not have liked and some people did, but I can't say that it wasn't a eight or nine month long storyline that had you know it's bits and pieces to it and different players that kind of came into it and it ended up with flip gordon going over bully ray on the biggest show of the year in an i quit match to try to kind of get him even further established in the card ring of honor which they should definitely need now with of course the elite not being there so i think somebody like him who probably crafted that whole thing from start to finish at least you can see like as you watch television as you watch their shows that like this storyline is progressing in such a way where like he's beating up the young boys and the guys that are you know less experienced or whatever, not in the business for a long time. And then finally somebody stands up to him and beats him. Right. That's the whole thing. And people right. were into you had it, people so. defending the company like week after week, it'd be a different guy until flip Gordon is the bearer of the new generation. It, it you're right for better or for worse, whether you enjoy the program or not, it made sense the entire way through. Right. At least it had like a, you know, start middle and a finish. And, and there was a, there was an end goal to it. Right. But it's a lot of these, you know, these angles on television or the storylines, like you said, like the women's tag titles, like, okay, great. They created women's tag titles. Cool. There's two different sets of rosters for women on the main roster, right? There's Raw and SmackDown. So are we just having whoever wins these titles at Elimination Chamber, are they going to work both shows or are they only going to work one show? And how does that affect the brand split? And then the, like the, the qualifying. So they have these, these qualifying matches on Raw and then on SmackDown, someone's just in the chamber. So there's really not like, even with just with something as simple as that, where you could have had like a, okay, we're going to have these six teams qualify and they're going to wrestle for the titles. And when they win the titles, they're going to be allowed to work on both shows and blah, blah, blah. There's really none of that established. So why should I care? Why should I care about who's going to win these titles? Cause I don't even know which show they're going to be on. And you know, I don't know what it's going to take for them to actually, who else is even going to be in the match yet? Because I don't know what the qualification rules are. So it's just, there's a lot of lack of uh, foresight and, and long-term thinking with a lot of the a lot of the stories that are going on in the main roster and you have like you have really smart pro wrestling minds in the back right you have now you have uh shane helms you have shane helms you have davari you have uh road dog who else jamie noble uh, who else fit finley you have all these double guys j, bro. who's that double j bro yeah like i said you have all these guys that yeah, I know. He's the biggest Double J guy. He invented uh, TNA, thing, bro. Speaking of, of, of forethought, Double J, Elias. Elias was a mega overheel. You turn him face for two weeks, and now all of a sudden he turns on Double J? Who gives him? Who cares about Double J? No offense, Joe. Double J hasn't been in WWE for 23 years, 
roughly. And now because he beat up an old guy with a guitar, he's like, now he's a heel just berating cities again. What? Yeah. But well, this is why the talent gets frustrated. Right. Yeah. They're, they're kind of jerking the, the fans around and with, you know, with these characters. So the Elias thing, like you said, he was, he was a heel. He was getting good heat. Some people were kind of cheering him. So they turned him face. Okay, I could accept that because people were kind of into him. He's in, he's entertaining either way. That lasted maybe like not even two months, and now he's back to being a heel again. Rusev, right? Heel for a really long time. Got over with the Rusev Day thing. Had Aiden English with him. Had Lana with him. Was getting good TV time. Now they turned him heel again to work with Nakamura, like well past the point of when Rusev Day was at its peak. So they kind of missed out on the opportunity there, and now he's back to being a heel with Nakamura or whatever. I don't even know what's going on there. So no, it's no. like... Yeah, so it's like they don't. They say like they come out, you know, a couple a month ago, so ago, whatever it was, and say like, "Oh, we're going to give the fans what they want," and all of these things. And they don't really know what the fans want because if they did, they wouldn't be doing things like this or having our truth be the United States champion. Oh, I was just about to pull up the list of things that you and I came up with that have happened since they said they're going to give the fans what they want. And yeah, I'm going to see if I can find it. Well, I think it was some of the stuff that you mentioned, right? So we talked about the R-Truth situation. We talked about turning Rusev and Elias very quickly. We talked about Shane McMahon being one of the tag team champions on SmackDown. We talked about Nia Jax entering herself in the men's Royal Rumble, if she'd already been in the women's Royal Rumble. And then talking on television about how she should be, you know, kind of, I don't even know, like revered in some way. And people, how little... Little girls should look up to her because of what she did. And what she did was beat up a man and steal his spot in the Royal Rumble after she had already lost in her chance to be in the when she was in the Women's Royal Rumble. So how attacking is that something? From behind. Yeah, and attacking from behind. So how is that something that people should be looking up to her for? Like, why why is that something that makes sense? It it's not. And this is the reason why there's an alternative to the WWE. And everybody wants, and everybody complains. Oh, people criticize WWE too much. When you're, you consider yourself the greatest. You proclaim you're the greatest. Everything you do is monumental. You gave women their first ever pay per view. False. You gave women their first ever main event, and all, and all that junk. You're opening yourself up to criticism because you're putting yourself on such a pedestal that says everything I do is the best. And it's a fair criticism because you've never had a roster. This deep with talent, you've never had more TV time, you've never had more reach to your audience, and you have no idea what to do with it. Um, I, I didn't see the second half of the third show, but for Ring of Honor, um, their, their last – did you get to watch all of those, the G1 shows? I have the third one up on my television now, which is the okay, finals so of the Tag Wars. I saw the first two, yes. To, not for nothing, when you want to talk about built, like you lost the Elite, you lost a bunch of people. You're building up this new group. Like they are making life's blood, uh, hot sauce, Mark Haskins, so important right off the bat. They're putting them in good matches. They're giving them chances to shine. They're building up guys like Shane Taylor. Like what Ring of Honor is doing since the Elite left to me, I think is fantastic. Yeah, I mean they're they're making attempts or doing trying to do different things to build up different stars. Uh, you know, that are that were not those guys, right? The void left by those guys, and they're trying to fill it with, you know, other folks. So, like the one you said, they bring in these other guys, like Juice, Mark Haskins, um, Tracy Williams, 
uh, Roosh, right? All these, whatever these guys are that they're bringing in, Bandito, and they're featuring them on television more. So that's new. Um, people that they had before, right? Matt Taven is yeah, he's a great example. He's winning a lot now, right? He's winning a lot. Uh, he's leading a group, and he has a legitimate case for you know, getting a, a championship match against Jay Lethal for the Ring of Honor World Title at some point, right? You know, they 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 still have Marty Scurll. They bring in Brody oh, King. They're and Enterprise. PC owned Brody King. Like those yeah. guys are the team to beat now. So they're they're trying, right? They're doing those things now. Maybe some some of them will work. Maybe some of them won't. You know, I don't know. But at least they're they're, they're putting people in that those positions, right? That's right. And they're not beating us over the head with it either. They're showing you why the, you should care about these guys. PCO is literally dying every single night. Don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, but they're, they're showing you why these guys are on TV and it, it's not a hard concept to follow. And I just think they're one of the too many cooks in the kitchen, right? That's what's going on in the WWE right now. And it's bad, man. It, it's really, really bad. And I was very hopeful after the whole, uh, the come to Jesus meeting on raw when they blame Baron Corbin for it. Baron Corbin's been on TV more since he's been fired than, than he, than he ever was before. And it's, but the, the, again, this is why people are leaving. This is why people are upset. And this is why the WWE is also not granting these releases. So it, what do you, so what do you do? You hold a bunch of people hostage in, in a very unhappy situation. It's going to show in their work to me. I, I think it would at least, you, you know, if I asked for my release, if I asked to quit someone that told me I can't quit, I'm going to be in a pretty bad mood almost all the time, unless you do something with me. So one week the revivals on TV and Vince is telling you, you know, I love you guys. The next week they're, they 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 beat Hawkins and Ryder, but they have the jobber entrance, and they're already in. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know what to do. Um, I don't know what they're <laughs> thinking. I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna go. But like you, you know, you everybody criticizes like Dusty Rhodes booking and Oli's booking back in WCW back then. Like, oh, he should have pushed this guy, and he didn't push this guy. In ten years from now, the, what they got criticized for is not gonna hold the candle to the mistakes that WWE has made, I would say in the last four years up until today, it's, it's, it's getting progressively worse. It's not getting better. And it, it just thinks that there's so many talented guys that are, are suffering from it, you know, and financially probably too. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing for me personally, I think in watching some of this stuff is, you know, as me, as much as maybe the storylines don't always make sense or they don't do things. It's the, it's, they have so much talent and I feel like a lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of times when they bring up somebody new from NXT, they get their opportunity for a short period of time, whether that's like a year or less. And then they end up kind of not on the main card. And I'm in, and I'm seeing the same people I've was seeing five to 10 years ago on the main card. So I always get to see, people like Randy Orton or the Miz and like for a while it was big show and Kane and like people like that. I keep seeing the a same year ago. Kane main evented. I'm yes. just gonna, it's 2018. The guy main evented. Right. Right. So, and they, and they've done a little stuff with the, the legends and bringing these guys back like undertaker or whatever. But what happens when people from NXT come up as, you know, somewhat hot acts when they come up like authors of pain or Ty Dillinger nope. or sanity what? or like, huh? Those types of acts that they get on the rain roster, they win a few matches, they're on for a month, and they're off. They're on for a month, they're off. Same thing. You know, we can go down the line, right? Revival, uh, Bailey. Do you remember when Revival yeah. came out to the um, New Day's Open Challenge? Yeah. The that place was their debut. 
went bonkers. Yeah, and yeah. you're right. And dude, Authors of Pain is a great. They were in some kind of tag match, a scramble match on the pre-show. For the love of God, Joe, where's Drake Maverick? Huh? Where's Drake? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think that's the thing. It's it's those types of, of things. So it's like, okay, well, either you're going to do something with these guys or you're not. And if you're not, then I think it's just in the you know in the best interest of everybody. If if you're not going to do anything with them, then you know why pay them, right? Why pay them to do nothing? So either use them or let them go, don't pay them and let them go earn a living somewhere else if they want to do that, and that's fine. You know, if, if they want to stay, stay, then yeah, and come back, come back even hotter if that's the case. Nothing yeah. wrong with let him go for you know a year, two years, three years, and coming back, and then being an even bigger deal, right? Just like Jinder Mahal. Yeah. On that note, um, unless you have anything else you want to say, <laughs> no, that's it. I feel like that was a good way for me to close it out on Jinder Mahal. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic Jinder Mahal reference. Poor Sunil Singh. Um, Santi, whatever he does. Uh, listen. This was another episode of the All Night Long Wrestling Podcast. We're going to be coming back next week with a little bit of a different different take on it. And you can call it a watch along. You can say, you know, there are a bunch of podcasts now that will they'll, they'll talk through a match or something like that. We did it first. Look back in our history. You and I, four years ago, whoa, four years ago, we watched Halloween Havoc 1990 in person. We gave our commentary on it. It was kind of like Beavis and Butthead meets Mystery Science Theater 3000. We're going to be bringing that back next week for a special edition. The match has yet to be decided, but you're going to watch The Stallion and The Enforcer give our commentary on a match as it goes through. Call it a watch along. Call it a retro view. I forgot whatever the hell we called it back in 2015, but that's what we're going to do. It's going to be something a little bit different. Um, again, bluechew.com, WPP, $5. If you want to cause havoc this Halloween, make sure you get your Blue Chew first order on the house. Just pay the shipping and handling. Uh, again, everywhere we are the All Night Long Wrestling Podcast, All Night Long WP on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Go subscribe to us on YouTube. Another episode is in the books. He's the Stallion. I'm the Enforcer. We're tapping out.